two weeks ago, we talked about all the many fears people have. Arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Glossophobia, fear of public speaking. Cyanophobia, fear of snow. But one fear we didn't talk about was taphophobia. And no, that's not a fear of taffy. It's a fear of being buried alive. In the 2010 Ryan Reynolds film, Buried, Reynolds plays an American civilian kidnapped in Iraq and buried alive in a wooden box. And the film captures the horror of taphophobia as help never comes and the tomb slowly fills with sand until he dies. Now, centuries earlier, there were people with taphophobia, and they also had an inventive streak, and so they created a coffin with a way to signal that you were actually alive. In, 1968, in 1868, Franz Vester patented an improved burial case that had a rope running from the coffin up to a bell above ground in the, the cemetery. And the rope was attached to the dead person's hand. Now this is back in the days before embalming. And so there was a slight, though very unlikely, possibility that someone could be buried who wasn't dead yet. And if that person came to and moved their hand, it would ring the bell. So the instructions with this burial case was to position somebody in the cemetery for 24 hours after the burial to listen for the bell, just in case the person was still alive. And I wonder how many desperate persons bought one of those for their loved one and then waited, waited by the grave, hoping the bell would ring. Now, in the days before Jesus' own burial, a family faces a, a similar situation. Lazarus, the brother of Jesus' friends, Mary and Martha, has fallen sick. And before Jesus can reach his bedside, Lazarus dies. And he's buried in a tomb just like we see at Easter, a cave with a, a large stone rolled in front of the entrance to seal it. And as much as his sisters trusted in the power of Jesus, there was no bell outside the tomb for Lazarus. No way for him to ring and come out. Besides, even if there was a bell, it has been four days and the body already stinks of death. Lazarus is dead, dead and buried and gone. Mary and Martha are distraught because they know if Jesus had been there, he could have saved him. They know that Jesus has that kind of power to heal a sick person. Mary says that to him, or Martha says that to him when he shows up. These words aren't in Scripture, but they're implied. You're late, Jesus. You're too late. But the Scriptures do say is, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Listen to what happened. 
from the 11th chapter of John. Once more, Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. And then Jesus issues the most impossible of all commands. I mean, you thought it was tough when Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It seemed impossible when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Or when we were instructed to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. But here, he gives the most impossible command. He tells a man who is dead, buried, and rotting in the grave, come out. And he does. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and set him free. You ever wonder what Lazarus did next? He's been given a second chance of life. So what did he do? What did he do with it? Did he become a, a man of super faith? The ideal saint who had no problem doing even the, the most impossible of commands? Or did he do like... A, Seth Satan 9 and AA and, and make a list of all the people that he'd harmed and then go and make amends if possible? Did he reconcile broken relationships? Some people do that. When they've had a brush with death, it causes them to forgive people they never thought it possible to forgive. Or did Lazarus suddenly find the courage to do things that he was too afraid of before? Did he go on that big event, adventure that that he never dared to prior to his second chance. I read about a young Jamaican man named Dwayne. Dwayne grew up in a, a rough part of London. And one day a gang roughed up his brother and stole his moped. Dwayne knew who they were, so he, so he went and confronted them. And he demanded the moped back. They started to fight. And then a gang member pulled a gun on Dwayne. Dwayne said, you don't have to do this. He tried to stay calm. But then the gang member pulled the trigger. Dwayne said he felt nothing. He heard the sound, but he didn't feel anything. He thought he was just numb. And then the guy pulled the trigger again. And then the gang members ran off. Dwayne looked, but he, 
He could find no bullet holes. The gun had malfunctioned twice. Soon after, his phone began to blow up with texts from people saying, we heard about what happened to you. What are you going to do about it? Now, the assumption there was that he's going to find some way to take revenge on these gang members. That's what you did in his neighborhood. But Dwayne felt that God had given him another chance at life. And so he went to the North Pole instead. Literally. He joined a polar expedition, and he says, for a guy from Jamaica, uh, that's about as, uh, as crazy as you can get. But he'd been given a second chance, and he'd, he joined that polar expedition, and he's devoted his life since then to expeditions and adventures and helping others to explore their best selves. He says, I've been given a second, third, and fourth chance. And you need to seize them, he tells others. You never know if you'll get another one. Well, Lazarus got a second chance, another chance at life, when Jesus commanded him to come out of the grave. What did he do with it? Well, we don't really know. But we do know that this awesome display of Christ's power, this disruption of the way things normally work, this this radical refusal to let the dead stay dead frightened those in power, especially the chief priests and the Pharisees. When Jesus commands Lazarus to do the impossible, and he does it, and he comes out of that grave, the council decides that Jesus must be eliminated. This world can't tolerate dead people coming back to life. And so shortly... Afterwards, they have Jesus nailed to the cross and then buried in his own tomb. And no, they don't install a bell because he ain't coming back. They even stabbed him in the side to make sure that he was good and dead. And then he's buried. The end. And they laugh. He saved others, but he can't save himself. That was Friday. But now it's Sunday, Easter Sunday, and tombs are opening again. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. 
Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. You know, there's that impossible command of don't be afraid. What are they afraid of? They're afraid because dead men aren't supposed to be walking around. It's impossible. And yet there he is. Jesus, the one who makes the impossible possible. And because he lives, you can live too. Because he came out of his grave, you and I can come out of our graves. And we don't even need a bell. It's Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus says to you and me, come out. Come out of your graves. Come out of your graves of fear and failure. Come out of your graves of addiction and injury. Come out of your graves of of depression and despair. Come out of your graves of pain and brokenness. Come out of your graves of, of sin and suffering. Come out of your graves of past mistakes and present problems. Come out of your graves of loneliness and hopelessness. Come out of your grave of death. And take off the grave clothes. And go free. Jesus calls to us. To every one of us who feels dead and done with. Come out. Come out of your grave. But that may seem impossible to you. So once more, let's go back to the four steps we've been looking at through our Lenten study. From the book Impossible Commands by John T. Alcock. Step one. Step one is to look that impossible command straight in the eyes and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. Jesus, you tell me to step out into new life, but I can't seem to do it. You know, I was thinking about what Lazarus did after he got his second chance at life, wondering what I would do if I was in in his shoes, if I had been given a second chance at life. And then it occurred to me, I have been, many times. At 16 years old, I was caught in a forest fire with my church youth group. And many of you have heard this story before, so I'm going to just jump straight to the end. Trapped between a river too large to cross and the blazing inferno rushing down the hillsides toward us, it looked like we were dead until rescuers miraculously showed up and plucked us from the shore just in the nick of time. At 24, I was so sick that I could barely walk. I was rushed to the emergency room, spent eight days in the hospital before I was able to walk out again. At 28, I didn't make the corner on an icy curve on a, on a frozen rural road. And I slammed into the ditch. And as I was trying to dig the car out, I noticed another car coming down the road toward me. And I said, great. This is back before cell phones, you know. Help is arriving. And then a little voice I attributed to God said, jump. (laughs) And I threw myself across my car just as that car did the same thing I did and slammed in right where I was standing. And I could go on and on. And you probably have stories too like that. Stories of narrow escapes from death, of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Maybe you nodded off at the wheel or, or maybe you had an injury that should have killed you. 
depression that, that almost took your life, illnesses you barely survived, near-death experiences, near misses. You've had them, and I've had them. And you know what I did afterwards? After every single one of them, I did nothing. I didn't really change. Within days, if not within hours, I went right back to whatever tomb I dug for myself. Worry, fear, sin, pain. Jesus, I can't come out of my tomb on my own. That's step one, to just be honest. Just be honest with your struggles. And then step two. Step two is saying, I'm sorry. Jesus, I confess that a lot of the tombs I've built myself. You want life for me, but I've chosen things that rob me of life. And when you still call me out and offer me a second chance, I've thought like Mary and Martha, it's too late. It's too late. I've been in the grave too long, and I stink. If only you would have done something earlier, Jesus. If only you'd have been here before. But you remind us, Jesus, that, that you are the resurrection and the life. And that whoever believes in you will live, even though they die, and whoever lives and believes in you will never die. And we do believe this. We believe that you bring us new life now and eternal life in the future. And so that leads us to step three. Please help. To turn to Jesus and say, I can't do it on my own. I can't raise myself. So please help me, Jesus. My tomb is too deep and the rock is too large to move on my own. But your command is the power to do it. You know, we go way back to the, to the dawn of creation when God speaks into the darkness. God doesn't depend on the darkness to have the power to bring light. God says, let there be light, and there was light. God's command brings the power. And it's the same way when God speaks to us. Come out. Come out of your grave. The power is already in the words of Jesus for us to step forth. He doesn't need us dead people to find the power to rise. His command brings the power. And so we turn to the risen Jesus, the one who has defeated death. And we say, please help. Raise us too, Jesus. That's step three. And then we do it, and that's step four. We walk out the doorway. We come out into the light. We say, let's go, God. Let's, let's go live, Jesus. No one has to sit by our grave and wait for a bell to ring because Jesus has already opened our tombs, taken away the grave cloths, and let us go free. And so, happy Easter. Happy resurrection. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus.
we look at the tombs around us, some of them physical, some as real as our loved ones in the cemetery, and some just as real but not as visible as the tombs that surround us, Lord. But you are the victor over every grave. You set us free from every kind of bondage, even the grave clothes that have been wrapped around us. You take them off and you set us free. So Lord, we celebrate today. We thank you and we will walk with you we will walk with you in life, for you are the resurrection and the life, and to you be the glory. Amen. Amen.